0: Going on, everybody. This is Robert English, your SoCal Seahawk, and thank you for joining me on this Week Three post-game edition of Short Yardage. Um, and our Seattle Seahawks come away with another win. Our three and O Seattle Seahawks um, defend the home turf again. This time against Dak Prescott and Zeke Elliott and the uh, Dallas Cowboys. Um, and it was another one of those games. So three games into the season, we're seeing a trend, are we not? It looks like, by the way I, by the way I see it, we're, 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 a trend is developing with this team. Uh, we're going to be winning in shootouts or we're going to be going in to shootouts because, um, the defense is not able to, has not been able to perform in such a fashion to keep the other team off of the scoreboard. The only difference this year now is that uh, we're doing things differently on offense and we're showing what we've seen glimpses of in the past. Um, I remember games, I can't remember what years uh, exactly they were in, but I remember a game against the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers where we had a shootout and I think the final, the the game winning play was a a crossing route, a, a slant to Doug Baldwin that he took uh, all the way to the house with a nice stiff arm as he reached the sideline and turned it up. Um, you know, a high scoring game there that we won against Big Ben's Pittsburgh Steelers in Seattle. Another game I think about is um, a couple years back, a few years back now, when um, we took on um, uh, Houston. We took on Houston and, and Houston, you know, they had their young quarterback there that was putting up a lot of yards and going up against Russell Wilson. And everybody was like, oh, what's it going to be? You know, who, which quarter, which young quarterback is going to be able to outdo the other? And we went out there in and, and a shootout, beat Houston. So we, we've, we've shown in various different stages of, uh, of, of this era of Seahawks football that we can go out there and score big numbers with these teams that can put up big numbers um and now it it just seems at least three weeks into this season um that we can do it with regularity or that we're choosing to do it with regularity um but another game where the offense was superb russell wilson was lights out once again um and uh the play calling we're gonna get into that first that's my first topic for this one i got a few topics i don't know if i'll have time to get through all of them but um firstly the first thing that I'm gonna harp on now is um the offensive coordinator, okay, and his play calling Mr. Schottenheimer um is doing exactly i mean I guess he's doing exactly what everybody wanted to see for you know all this stuff they've been they've been running the just the same way they ran Daryl Bevel through the mud, okay, even though Daryl Bevel's offense got us our first Super Bowl. Uh, victory in franchise history and two straight trips to the big game we still had nothing but bad things to say about Daryl Bevel, right Um, and apparently you know the the organization saw fit to move on as well because maybe because maybe because if you're sitting still you're moving backwards right we weren't we weren't moving forward again so like in technology if you're not moving forward you're technically moving backwards so maybe that's how that works I don't know but I know that there's a lot of conversation, a lot of um, you know bad mouthing amongst what I what I call the 12s, you know the 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 Seahawk fan and otherwise, um, you know about Pete Carroll when the when the when the going is tough, people are so quick to just jump ship or or to you know want to throw babies out with the bathwater. And I, I just never can quite understand that. I was always a Bevel apologist, and now I'm a I'm a Schottenheimer apologist because we're still a winning team. We're still a winning team. Um, But it appears that the the that the coaching staff, namely uh, Bevel, namely Schottenheimer and um, and and Pete Carroll, uh, have decided to heed um, you know the call from you know everybody around and, and let Russ cook. Now maybe this was some some deep thought out plan by Pete Carroll and John Schneider and and um, and and you know and now um, Schotten, uh, Brian Schottenheimer being brought into the fold. This deep plan to like make Russell wait almost a decade into his career before <laughs> before you let him really take the reins. I don't know. Maybe probably not. Um, you know. But here we are. We are throwing the ball at a. I mean, almost an astronomical rate uh, with comparison to previous seasons, and it's working. We're scoring on big plays. We're scoring a lot of points. And it's, I mean, the, the numbers are coming out for these players are putting them into, I mean, they're, they're, they're putting up marquee numbers. Marquee numbers. Tyler Lockett has 24 catches for 259 yards and four touchdowns. Three games into the season. That's, I I mean, outrageous. What does Russell have? 15 touchdowns? 14 touchdowns? Uh, You know, going into the game on Sunday against Dallas, Russell Wilson had only two more incompletions than he did touchdown passes. That's ridiculous. Nine touchdown passes and only 11 incompletions. Now, obviously, those type of numbers can only be had early in the year. No one keeps the, that type that type of uh, um, you know efficiency over the course of you know uh, 16 games. But even still, three incomplete passes. I mean, quarterbacks throw the ball away more times than that in a in a drive. Let alone three games. You know, two two more than touchdowns. I mean, I mean, how many times does a quarterback throw the ball away in a game? Anywhere between you know three and eight, you know, typically, you go know, you get get rid of the ball. Sometimes you just got to get rid of the ball. Incompletions aren't a bad thing. Russell only had eleven going into the game. Um, outrageous. Um, the the, the pace that Tyler Lockett's on, he's on pace for 128 catches and 1381 yards and 21 touchdowns. And that's amazing. That's amazing for, especially from a Seahawk receiver. 21 touchdowns, 1,300 yards. Just getting a receiver over the 1,000 yard mark in Seattle is a huge deal. Doug Baldwin's done it. You know, when it was a big deal. But before you get all, you know, before we get hyped on Tyler Lockett, let's look at. DK Metcalf, and before I tell DK's good stuff, let's go ahead and talk about DK's bad stuff. DK could have had an epic game on uh, on Sunday. It would have been certainly more epic if he did not take his foot off the gas um, on uh, on that touchdown pass. A beautiful, another beautiful throw from Russell Wilson. Just per- it was it was beautiful. It doesn't get any more pretty than that play. All the deep passes that we've had this season that was the prettiest one. Because DK was running full stride, full speed. That was a perfect pass. We say perfect pass all the time. The one to Tyler Lockett was perfect. The other ones to DK was perfect. All three three weeks of this season, he's put deep balls perfectly. But I mean, when you really want to peel back the onion and talk about perfection, that pass was perfect. I don't think DK Metcalf broke his stride at all on that on that catch on that pass catch he was running you could if you go back and watch the replay he was full speed full uh stride and that ball landed right in the basket and then that fool just decided he was gonna quit on the play and just kind of coast in and that rookie uh digs from dallas came up behind him and knocked the ball out and i promise you that that will never happen again and oh my gosh my favorite thing to do in the world is to go on the internet, so social medias and whatnot, and find what people have to say about things that happen in the game. There's a lot of armchair quarterbacks out there, a lot of people who, you know, just say have everybody has their opinion, fair enough. Uh, but not a lot of people that don't really know football. <laughs> um, and you know, the people were saying, oh, take him out of the game, um, this and that. Like, no, look, he was th- that that's a mistake that this 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 dude named DK Metcalf is likely going to be a great receiver i mean he, he just going based off his build his his physical attributes okay because no one knew what he was going to be able to do on the field until he got there but just based on his physical attributes he has a whole lot of potential and now we're seeing now uh, you know in his second year that this dude really can play he beats uh, defenders over the top, he gets open in the middle of the field. He is if, he's, if he shows up his hands on some of those comeback routes and some of those more intermediate routes. Um, DK Metcalf might be a historically great receiver in this league, and it's looking good. Um, I think his success. I think he's realizing that he has the ability, especially after what he did to, what he did to Stephon Gilmore last week against uh, New England. I think he's. I think he's starting to realize. That there might be nobody in this league that can guard him, I think he's starting to realize that I, I, I think that he is beginning to believe, like in the Matrix, right when uh, when when Neo was, a, so was supposed to run out of that subway, right instead of running, he stopped and turned around and looked at Agent Smith right in his face and they're like, "What is he doing?" And what did Morphe say? He's beginning to believe <laughs> DK Metcalf is beginning to believe that he is the one. And he let his um he let his confidence get the best of him, but I guarantee that will not happen again. That that will not happen again. He will not Deshaun Jackson a, a play ever again in his career and I will put my stamp on that. I will. But DK Metcalf at this point DK Metcalf is on pace <laughs> for 64 catches 1584 yards and 16 touchdowns 1584 yards on 64 catches now whether you're a mathematician or not what you what's more important then your math skills is recognizing that that is 20, almost 25 yards per reception average. You don't get 1,500 yards in a season on 64 catches unless you are a freak of nature. And that's what he's on pace for right now. Now, it certainly does not stand to reason that we're going to go ahead and assume he's going to keep this up all year. But just to say three weeks into the season, that's the pace he's on. Outrageous. Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson is on pace for 4,933 yards passing. He's very, very, he's on pace. This is probably going to fall off. Okay, this is probably going to fall off. But he's on pace to be just short of 5,000 yards passing. Only the best quarterbacks reach that mark. But he's also on pace for, look at this, right now with 14 touchdowns. (laughs) Russell Wilson is on pace to throw 75 touchdowns this season. (laughs) And only five interceptions. 75 touchdowns and five interceptions is his current pace. Now, of course, again, I'm not saying that's going to happen. It obviously is not going to happen like that. He's going to... I mean, 75 touchdown passes would obliterate... I think it's Peyton Manning's record, and that record will probably never be broken again. I don't care if you are Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson or Superman. You ain't throwing... 75 touchdown passes in a season. Nobody is. But imagine if he did. I say all that to make the point that this is Brian Schottenheimer's offense that's doing this. So there shan't be any more uh, down talk about... Uh, the offensive play calling. There was talk, you know. It's always let Russ cook, let Russ cook. Well, the first time, let Russ cook, um, you know, ended up with a call it an adverse, uh, you know, um, uh, 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 effect on the game or adverse result. They were like, oh, you should have ran the ball that game against uh, um, the on the what was it the fourth and three or fourth and one deep ball. The same play that that worked the previous week. In uh in 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 uh, Atlanta, the same play that worked basically the same same situation that worked again uh, against Dallas on Sunday, but against uh, New England when we ran that play and just because Russell just overshot the man, I mean that's letting Russ cook. That is what, that, that and the play was designed, there was a couple different routes that went short on that play that he was looking for. First, they weren't there, so he threw the ball to the guy, the next the next uh, uh, man in the read, and it was the right read. He just overshot him. If that ball was just a, just another yard shorter than it was, Lockett makes that catch, and he's done it again. Brian Schottenheimer, I think, should have went up into the press box, uh, or the coach's box, whatever they call it, a long time ago, or maybe Daryl Bevel should have been up there, or maybe he was, I don't know, but apparently being up in the box, and it makes sense, being able to see the entire field and see what teams are doing, seeing what packages are coming in on the defensive side, I get it, I've actually been I um, I haven't really ever been a, a, a champion of that thing, I've always felt like it was better for coaches to be on the field, a lot of coaches feel like it's better to be on the field. Um, but it's the new it's the, the new era of football where coaches sit up in the box. A lot of them do anyway. And um and you know, hey, I, I was I was kind of against it, you know, the notion of it. I have always been. But if this is what it's gonna bring for us, then hey, hey, I I, I, I will not be the stick in the mud on this. Um stay in the box. Stay in the box. Things are doing very well. These big plays that we're getting. Um, I mean, we're, we're averaging 30, the Seattle, listen, the Seattle Seahawks are averaging 37 points a game right now. Just keep that in your head. Okay. We're averaging 37 points a game. These big plays that we're getting, most of these, these are not defensive breakdowns. These are, 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 well, I guess we could say we broke down the defense, but these are not, these are not blown coverages. Okay. These are schemed open uh, receivers. This, This is scheme that's happening here. Go back and watch the replays. Watch the highlights, and if you can see these these plays are being schemed to success. This isn't this isn't the the other team, you know. Just uh, you know, this isn't dereliction of duty on the other te- on the other team's defense. This is well thought out, well planned, well schemed offensive play by Daryl Bevel and his offense, um, and it's looking really good. It's looking really good. So hats off to, to uh, I said Daryl Bevel, didn't I? Sorry, Brian Schottenheimer. See, I love Daryl Bevel. <laughs> okay, now let's talk about uh, something that's not so good, uh, which is the defense. And everybody's mad about the defense. Um, and I suppose rightfully so. The defense has not been great. They have not been great, but they have been good. I think that there is a, a little bit of a misconception here. We must remember that... Um, Seattle has had their foot on the gas offensively since the first, I was going to say since the kickoff of, uh, of week one, but that would be incorrect because on the kickoff of week one, no one even moved out their spot. They took a knee. Uh, but since that point, Seattle has not taken, really taken their foot off the gas on offense for three weeks. So what we've done is we have successfully made these teams one dimensional in their, in their offense. And when you make a team one dimensional, you're 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 almost you're 99.9 percent of the time you're talking about uh, forcing them to pass. Because if any any team that if, if you teams want to be able to run the ball, so you typically aren't you know forcing teams to, be to one dimension uh, uh, being the run. It's usually the pass, and that's what we've been doing. We have uh, what did Zeke have? Ezekiel Elliott ran the ball 14 times for 34 yards and a touchdown, and his touchdown was a short yardage, a goal line touchdown. 2.4 yards a carry. We have kept uh we have had a, a a less than three, I think it's gotten gone down now, so it's gotta be less than three and a half yards a carry. Uh maybe down closer to cl- closer to three yards a carry on the season. He got he caught six balls for 24 yards. Now, the Cowboys didn't run at first, but again, because we had our foot on the gas though, we were scoring touchdowns. We were we were, I mean, that the deep ball to Tyler Lockett. You know, then the deep ball to uh uh to um uh DK. I mean, Cowboys weren't didn't have any opportunity to really slow down, slow the game down. So they at first they didn't run, and then they then they weren't able to run. So you know, and, and this is and this is why the number is skewed. I mean, Seattle literally has the number one, sorry we have the number two run defense. Uh, I think Pittsburgh has the number one run defense right now, but we have the number two. we defense is number two against the rush. But we are dead last, number thirty-two versus the pass by, and and not by not by by a a wide margin. It's by a wide margin. We're like two hundred yards worse than the number thirty-one team. So y- yeah, I mean, and that I'll segue into how we've given up four hundred nearly four hundred yards passing three games in a row: four thirty-four to Matt Ryan, three ninety-seven to Cam Newton, and four sixty-one to Dak Prescott. So, I mean, apparently, if any quarterback is trying to pad his numbers, go ahead and play as Seahawks. But it doesn't mean you're going to win the game. Okay? It doesn't mean you're going to win the game. Because what we are doing, although we are giving up a lot of yards in the pass, we are stopping the run. And we have been making, um, you know, the, the timely defensive play. The opportunistic play. People have been talking about Shaq and how bad Shaq has been playing this year. Well, Shaq got a pick. I think, I think there's a big misconception about what a corner is expected to do on a football field. People think that if, if, if the receiver catches the football, then the corner's not doing his job. And that's not really the case. If a corner stays with his man and tackles the, tackles the player immediately after making the catch, you're pretty much doing your job. Now there is an expectation for you to knock a football away if you can, but as long as you're not giving up anything over the top, and you're making tackles immediately after the catch, you're doing your job as a corner. You're doing your job as a corner if you are able to do those things. Taking, taking pick sixes back to the house every other game or so is, is, is icing on the cake. That's icing on the cake. Getting two interceptions, you know, uh, or even just getting multiple interceptions, you know, every couple of weeks. That's icing on the cake. I, I would go so far as to say even getting interceptions. It's even then icing on the cake. Now we we pride ourselves on turning the ball over, and you as a good corner, you gotta to expect to make some picks here and there when the opportunity presents itself, right? But if quarterbacks aren't forcing balls in, in the spots that they that they you know maybe they shouldn't, you know those are the ones the, the 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 picks that corners are supposed to make is when the quarterback and the receiver and or the receiver make a mistake. Those are the ones that they're supposed to pick off. Otherwise, they're there to just make sure that there's no extra damage done. Don't let anybody get past you. If they make the catch, you tackle them now. That's, that's really what a corner, if a corner is able to do that, he's doing his job. You have to let go of the LOB, Twelves. Let go of the Legion of Boom. Okay? This is not, this is not the LOB. This, this is the shell OB because it's only a shell of its former self, this defense. Okay? Get over it. The lob is gone. I know we had a lot to talk about leading right into this uh, season with you know signing Jamal Adams and having Quandre Diggs um, and and uh, and and Marquise Blair. Unfortunately, went down. You know, just we had this, we had these high hopes Anyway, everybody's been so high on Shaq until the first three until you know week one. You know, because one of the best receivers ever to play the game. You know, you know, kind of worked him a little bit. But it's like that was Julio Jones. What do you expect? He's Julio Jones. You know. Um look, Shaq got a pick on Sunday. He did his job. Uh Trey Flowers, pe- people have been very upset with Trey Flowers, you know, and hey, you know, Trey Flowers should have had a pick. Um but he made um he made a really good uh bat uh, uh batting down did really good batting down a ball on, on what would have been probably a big screenplay. Um uh, if he hadn't batted it down, he had a blocked field goal. Um I mean, Trey Flowers did his thing that 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 interception that he missed that hit him right in his numbers that was unfortunate, uh, especially because who was it Gallup you know caught it off of his the bounce off of his chest and took off for another 15, 20 yards or so so that was that was that was a little bit uh you know frustrating but um you, you gotta let these guys let these guys go out there and figure how figure out what we what we're working with okay stop stop trying to um down talk these guys so soon so soon. And really, the problem is the pass rush. So I'll segue into that. The pass rush is really the issue. And i tell you what. I hear a lot of talk about Seattle needing an edge rusher. And when I watch the game on Sunday um, and I rewatch it, I don't know that the edge rusher is really the issue. I think it's because we're not getting any middle pressure because... On most of ju- the dropbacks, most of DK, excuse me, uh, Dak Prescott's dropbacks, he, he drops back and has to jump back up in that pocket rather quickly. Cause our ends, a lot of times, whether it's the end or a safety coming down or a linebacker blitzing, somebody is getting around that edge. Somebody is getting around the edge. DK, I keep saying DK. I'm, well, I'll, I'll get my words together here at some point. Um, Dak Prescott was climbing into that pocket. Climbing into that pocket, but without any middle pressure, you know, um, you know, he has that he has a clear pocket to you know step up into Um, So I don't know if it's so much the edge that's the problem I'm thinking it might be something in the middle Um, So I would like to see um, if there's anything that we can do but that I mean that D line has speed Look how I mean we are fast. That's that's what I'm saying. The edge we're, we're getting around the edge it's just he's stepping up in there. The quarterbacks are stepping back up and you know and they've got nothing, nothing in front of them, no middle pressure. When they ran that jet sweep reverse, who was it? Uh Alton Robinson Alton Robinson and, and Puna Ford were on that. And those are two fast players. That, that, that's a speed play. That's a speed play. I think that was in the second quarter of the game. They ran a they ran an end around. It wasn't an end around. It was a it was a jet sweep out of the shotgun. Jet sweep, reverse. I can't remember which uh, receivers uh, ended up with their ball. And I want to say it might have been Gallup and then he gave it to somebody else or vice versa. But um, they ran a jet sweep, reverse. And uh, Alton Robertson and, and Puna Ford were on it like white on rice. On a speed play. Our, we, we have the speed to, uh, you know, on, on, uh, on the defensive line. We just got to get more pressure um up front on those passing plays. That's what it is. We got to get more pressure in the middle. So um, this defense is going to is going to come about. I do believe the defense is going to come about. Um, uh, and we ha- we just gotta wait for it. We just gotta wait for it. Uh, shout out to Jermaine Curse, the uh, longtime Seattle Seahawk. Um, I guess you can call it longtime. time. the uh, The one time Seattle Seahawk. Um, Jermaine Curse was a great feel-good story for us. Um, you know, he came to the Seahawks from uh, UW. So he was a hometown, University of Washington hometown product, drafted by the Seahawks. Can't ask for a better uh um, you know, a better um, you know, story than that. Um Matter of fact, I think I actually worked a few years, a few years ago, um, I think it was the year we went to the Super Bowl, the year we won the Super Bowl. A girl that I worked with, a younger girl, um, uh, actually said that she she was, you know, personal friends with Jermaine Curse. Um, so I was like, that's pretty cool. So, I mean, obviously, me and her became friends because she was uh, kind of a, I, I, I knighted her, uh, an honorary Seahawk fan. So I talked to Seahawks, so she didn't give a uh, you-know-what about football. But she's like, oh, yeah, I know uh, one of the guys that plays for the team. I'm like, oh, yeah, who's that? Uh, Jermaine, Jermaine Curse. I'm like, you know Jermaine Curse? I'm like, yeah, I know Jermaine Curse. I was like, oh, cool. But anyway, uh, he announced his retirement today. Uh, This being um, Tuesday, Uh, eight seasons in the league, got himself a a Super Bowl ring, Um, you know, two trips uh, to the Super Bowl in a row, you know, won one of them, lost one, made a few big catches, had a few ugly games. I mean, we will always remember Jermaine Curse for number one, the Super Bowl catch against New England, where it went off of two guys and off of his hands and off of his leg and foot and into his hands and got up and almost ran in the end zone. Uh, We'll remember him for that play for sure. Um, And then we'll obviously remember him for the game before that um, against the Green Bay Packers, where every single one, I think four of Russell Wilson's interceptions, uh, they were all thrown... To Jermaine Curse, you guys. I don't know if, that, if you guys know that or not. You should. Every single one of the interceptions Russell Wilson threw in that Packers NFC Championship game was to Jermaine Curse, and I think all except maybe one of them were Jermaine's fault. Pop, uh, the ball popping off of his hands or him not playing the ball in the air um, aggressively enough, in my opinion. I think the one in the the one in the in the in the front corner of the end zone. He didn't, he didn't come back to the ball aggressively enough, interception, and then two of them went off of his hands um, and were picked off. Um, but what does he do? It just go out there, even after having the worst game ever, the worst game anybody could ever ask to have, he goes out there and he catches the game-winning uh, bomb in the end zone in overtime, and uh, uh, we go back to the Super Bowl. So, uh, uh, an interesting career for Jermaine Curse. I think he spent the last couple years in New York uh, with the Jets, if I'm not mistaken. But hey, he'll have a, he'll have a story to tell his family. He's a he got a Super Bowl ring. He played for the team. He played for the you know, the very team that he uh, you know uh, his hometown team. And um, you know, he, hey, what's wrong? Nothing wrong with that. So, uh, big ups to Jermaine Curse, and uh, we wish him well and his uh, goings on after this. Um. I should have saved that for the end because I only have two other things to talk about here and neither one of them are fun. Um, Chris Carson has a sprained knee and we're only lucky that he only has a sprained knee. Tristan Hill, um, I don't remember what quarter it was in now, um, tackled Chris Carson. I want to say third quarter. And did the most egregious, ridiculous Alligator roll with Chris Carson's leg and foot in his tight grasp. I've never seen anything like that, and I've seen some pretty wacky stuff. I've seen um, Miles Garrett take off a quarterback's helmet and hit him with it. Actually, that might have been worse. But the way that Tristan, the way that Tristan uh, Hill just grabbed Car- uh, Carson and rolled him like that, and rolled him again, unbelievable unbelievable and 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 per what we're what i'm seeing what i'm reading the the nfl doesn't have any plan on suspending but they say he'll get fined that you got to suspend a guy for that that was that's just ridiculous that's just ridiculous go watch that play and, and, and just search on the internet find how tristan hill twists i mean he did literally an alligator roll just an outrageously terrible exhibition. Um, I ha- i it, you don't see stuff like that very often, and that was that was terrible to see. Um, I think he has just made himself infamous in in the eyes of uh players, coaches, and even fans around this league. His team is defending him, um, you know. But uh, I mean, you, I guess you wouldn't expect anything less. But um, that that was no. There's no way. There's no excuse, and I'm not buying any any anything he might have to say about it. Terrible. Um, luckily, Chris Carson, um, it appears to only be a sprain, which means we might miss him, um, this week against Miami. Um, but there's a decent chance he might, you might miss a game or two. Um, I'm sure Pete Carroll will be keen on letting him sit out as long as he needs to. We've got Carlos Hyde, who looks to be, um, you know, a workable replacement. Um, Travis Homer is poised to play ball. Um, and we'll have to see, you know, how, how we, uh, Go moving forward. It appears that. Um, uh, Rashad Penny is not ready yet. From you know his ACL injury. That that happened late in the year. So. Um, looks like it's going to be hide. Hide and Homer. Um, and uh, I think that'll be workable. Especially with the way that we're playing. I'm telling you right now. What's going to happen is. Is teams are going to. I mean we've got two. There's, there's been too many big plays. Happening over the top of defenses. Um. Over the first three weeks of the season, these defenses are going to have to start staying back. Okay, they're not going to just let us get over the top of them all season long. Some sooner or later they're going to stop doing it, and um, and when that happens, that running game is going to open up. I'm telling you right now, that running game is going to open up. It's, it's a matter of time, and maybe this is just because you know Schottenheimer is seeing this all from the, from the bird's eye view. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm not at all worried about the running back situation at this point. Um, and then the dark cloud of COVID-19 has struck again. And this is scary. This is probably the scariest thing. Um, apparently eight players from the Tennessee Titans tested positive for COVID-19. I read that and I, uh, give me a break. Now COVID is going to take away football. I mean, cause if eight players... Tested positive. I mean, the the NBA managed to do the whole bubble thing and, and you know, it, it worked out. Um, I don't know what the NFL is doing exactly, but eight players from Tennessee tested positive. Um, they just all played in a football game against, you know, uh, they've been playing for the last two weeks. So if you if you are testing positive, you know, how long have you actually had it? Right. So, I mean, eight people certainly qualifies as an outbreak. So if if and they, and and now so what are you gonna do about Tennessee? Tennessee had to shut down their their football operations basically. No no face to face or no in person um, activities for this whole week. So they they I don't imagine they can't play on Sunday, right? So now we're gonna that's gonna be a game that's gonna have to be moved to a different uh, a different um, uh, time in the year. Do they have to give up their bye week? Or something like that. I know that that's happened before, where teams just don't get a bye week because um, you know a game had to be moved or whatever, um, or they're gonna they're gonna play two games in a, in a week, or, or you know how's that gonna work? Um, so that's gonna be interesting to see. But eight players from a team testing positive, it only stands to reason that we should expect that there might be more. And if and if this turns out to you know if this turns out to go over the spread over a few different teams, they're gonna shut the league down. So I'll tell you, I told you, I, I've said it in my first couple of weeks, I'm putting an asterisk next to this season. If you've been listening, I've been saying that I'm putting an asterisk next to this season, regardless of what happens, even if the Seahawks go to the Super Bowl, I think I mean that, Um, I'm putting an asterisk next to this season because who knows what's going to happen with this whole thing, right? And I mean, what is this? I, I, I'm not going to get into COVID. I'm not going to get into COVID because it's a hot button topic. Um, So anyways... That's what we got. That's what we got. That's what I got for this one. We have the Miami Dolphins um, on Sunday, 10 a.m. West Coast time. Uh, typically speaking, um, I would expect to go into this game and not have too much trouble. But traveling to the East Coast, especially in Florida, historically speaking, we can have some trouble. Um, uh, even when Seattle has been good. Uh, you know, going all the way to the East Coast and, 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 te- and, specifically going into Florida, um, has, has provided a, for some reason, given us issue. Um, now that, that's, that's historical though. That, that's, that's over the course of a long period of time. More recently we've been better. Um, but I, you know, I'm, I'm a historical fan. I've been around for a lot. And I can't get those things out of my head. I can't get it out of my head when Seahawks are, are beating up all the best teams in the league and then they go to Miami and lose and the sprinklers turn on on the field. You guys remember that? But we'll be back in a couple of days with some, more, with some more information on the Miami game. Make sure that you guys are listening and subscribing and checking out Seattle Sports Union. That's seattlesportsunion.com on the web. Uh, at Seattle Sports Union um, on Twitter and Facebook. Um, check out the podcast on Podbean and Apple, uh, uh, or, uh, Apple Apple Podcasts and iTunes. Um, check out myself, Abraham Deweese, the rest of the team for our unlicensed professional opinion on everything Seattle sports, from the Mariners to the mist. and of course our three and O Seattle Seahawks. Um, make sure you like and subscribe to this podcast. You can find it on Spotify. You can find me on Podbean and Apple uh, Podcasts. Um, uh, appreciate you guys' support. This is Robert English signing off. Go Hawks.